welcome to the British Fencing BU Be Different podcast. I'm Sophie Devote, your host, and today we're talking about a very important part of the community in sports, not just fencing, but any sports. It's not the athletes, it's not the coaches, it's the parents, the people who are responsible for creating a positive, nurturing and long-lasting environment for our younger athletes. So I was intrigued with this subject because being a parent of a young child myself, I was thinking about how to introduce him to a positive experience in sport. As I started looking into this and researching it, I looked at the website parentsinsport.co.uk. I had a chat with the man who runs that, Gordon McClelland. He is an expert in working with parents in sport. He has a lot of research, articles and uh, interesting take on what we should be doing as parents, as coaches, as clubs and as sports people to involve our children from a young age and give them a lifelong love of what we hope they'll carry with them into the rest of their lives. So I spoke to Gordon and asked him, how did you get involved with this? How did it all start? My background's in uh, education and sports science. So I've been coaching for uh, 20 years. Uh, I've coached, uh, I was coaching men in my mid-20s. I've coached elite under 18s, 13-year-olds, uh, and now doing some coaching with seven to nine-year-olds. So uh, have so I guess uh, transpired across the whole um, sporting journey from you know seven-year-olds through to adults. But actually, what uh, motivated me to set this up was the early experiences that I had um, with my own children. Um, so my son was scouted at three uh, by a football club, oh, wow. um, which was bizarre, <laughs> yeah. uh, which should, which shouldn't happen in its own right. And then what it what it showed me was how little support was really out there for parents. And I guess the sporting journey being stood with, with lots of people watching, uh, seeing how they feel, how they react. Um, I just felt that we needed to do something to uh, make life easier uh, for parents. And then, and then what came from that was the, the whole coach education piece that, you know, very few coaches, young coaches, inexperienced coaches, even more experienced coaches, have actually got no training or support in how to build positive relationships with parents. And I think there's definitely been, in the last 15 years, a bit of a gap divide between coach and parent, that coaches go one way and parents go the other. Not in all cases. I mean, that's been very general. Um, so we wanted to create something where coaches feel they could better support parents and those relationships were more productive in the best interests of of children talking about your child being scouted at three um because that's what led me to look up and try and find more information about this my son turned three and he got this lovely big parcel from his american uh, grandparents and in it was the the, the, the little t-ball set you know like the starter baseball set for yeah. toddlers and it had the <laughs> bat and it had the dozen balls in there and it had this it was so cute and the little baseball like cap that he's not taken off by the way he wears it backwards because <laughs> he's three and he's cool but it has the little glove but you know he picked up that bat and I looked at him and my first reaction instead of oh look isn't that cute was I told him he was holding it at the wrong end and he, <laughs> cause he wasn't holding the handle he was holding like that yeah and there he was just absolutely enjoying his first little present and it just struck me straight away oh my gosh I don't want to be one of those parents you know that like yeah. immediately it feels like I was telling him off when he was just having fun you know so, so that you know something just sparked in my brain when I when I heard myself 
um, talking to him like that. I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to let him have fun and play with these. And he's, you know, he's definitely not being scouted for the Detroit Tigers, um, but no. he's having such fun. And I just, yeah. you know, and just leaving him to it. But that sparked this. It's funny because it brought back a lot of memories. Perhaps we react as we were taught when we were younger. So yeah. I did a lot of I, um, listeners of the podcast might have heard me talk about before. I, I was more in the uh, classical ballet world. And when I was younger, highly, highly specialized, which I know we're going to uh, talk about in a minute. But that feeling of you do one thing and you're doing it really, really well and you're going to make it and you're going to have this huge career. And actually, it doesn't work like that or it didn't work like that for me. So I just heard these like repercussions from a long, long time ago in my life coming out already in how I was interacting with my son. And I thought, I really want to break that cycle. And perhaps now that it, it's a good time for me when he is three and he is just starting to get in. He, he loves kicking balls around and playing with his little baseball bat. So I thought, well, let's let's get some actual information and let's see if we can, you know, perhaps do a bit of a better job <laughs> in this generation for me you know the reality is that we all want to step in because we all want to help our children don't we and, and whatever decisions we make we do it because we love our children we want what's best for them i think it's striking that balance between the fact that you know when children are asked why they play sports it's it's because it's fun yeah and then, of course, the the work that's come out of the States and the work that Amanda Visek does around, well, what, what determines fun? And, you know, she managed to define fun, you know, in 82 different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, and that could be anything. That could be eating hot dogs or, or grazing your knees. Now, you know, what we determine as fun, I think, is very different from an adult perspective. And, and the one I talk about, particularly in our workshops, is that, if you ask, you know, in that research, you know, a child why they are playing, you know, winning comes 48th and playing in the tournament comes 60th. Now, if I asked a parent that without them knowing any research or what we were talking about, I think it's a top five answer. Yeah. So, so we've got to bring slightly closer together, you know, what motivates children to play, why they're playing, why they are likely to continue to play, mm. and just then try and make sure our role is supportive of the directions that that they sort of lead now we can't be so laissez faire that we don't make some choices for them because we're naturally going to guide our children towards things that we may be liked or things we maybe did or maybe there's an interest in you know in the house that we that we live in yeah. but i think it's just striking that balance as you say between how much that's uh, that's driven by us or or driven by them and particularly in these early years when we're talking from you know three to eleven we, we should just be encouraging children to you know try and achieve what they can but actually just play as many sports as, as possible that word fun it comes up a lot we, we talk about it at British fencing wanting to make sure especially in that as you were talking in the earlier age brackets that the word fun is paramount and it's it, it's the children's version as you say of fun not perhaps our adult version of fun which might be winning some major championship or something that's not really what they're bothered about they're wanting to hang out with their friends and they're wanting to um ha as you say have the hot dog afterwards or something like that and i think that the what i'm reading there is if we don't maintain that priority of fun that they're a lot less likely to stick with um a sport not just that one sport but sport in general is that true the attrition rate when um, the fun especially is taken away Oh, yeah. I mean, look, the attrition rate across the vast majority of sports globally, mm. you know, I do work in America and Canada, is huge. The, the dropout in those teenage years. And look, 
the reality is that children stopped playing because it wasn't fun anymore mm. and they have other choices and when they're able to make those choices they find things that are better environments for things or things that that they would like to do i guess the difficulty for us as parents is we haven't got a crystal ball mm. so whilst we think we're doing a brilliant job with our sort of driving and motivating at a young age where we're still relatively in control of our um young people the long-term impact of potentially being um overly involved um making too many decisions for them driving the process is that it, it becomes more about us and our motivations and and we know that obviously people who end end up and do well in their sport are actually intrinsically motivated so it actually comes from them so so we encourage parents to try and bring that out in their own children by providing opportunities and the way they speak to the children, the questions they ask, and a, a few different pieces of, uh, along the way. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's good advice because um, when I'm starting to think about sports as well for, for the young one, I'm looking you know, now for the quality of the coach and the quality of the club and the environment, but I'm now considering my own behaviour and thinking about as well how am I... At I mean, we've had this anecdotal sort of and stories you hear in the papers of the the parent shouting at the the what was it a kid refereeing a match and and this sideline sort of shouting at coaches and behaviour in in um, in sports and how parents are acting. Um, what advice do you have for for parents in general as as far as their behaviour and how to create that positive? environment yeah i mean look, i think i think that there's more than just the parent and as you say it, it, it's you know we we're always able to via the media pull out the i guess the worst cases of sports parenting but there's an awful lot of people who do a brilliant job every you know every single week and actually it shouldn't be about just you know i guess dealing with the ones who who do get it wrong because there's an awful lot in the middle who would like to know more and do better so a lot of our work's been you know, a lot of the conflict comes because parents haven't been informed particularly well yeah. about what a good environment looks like right. or the fact that their child doesn't have to do 10,000 hours by the age of 10 because there's no guarantees in that yes. or the fact that just by being good at nine, you're not going to be good at 18. Mm. And, I, and I think sports and coaches have got a responsibility to inform parents more about what the sporting journey looks like and what their role can be in making that a, a, a positive supporting one. I, again, I see lots of great coaches out there whose parents uh, do it brilliantly and their groups have really good environments, but it's very much driven by the, the, the behavior and the modeling of the coach who, by their conduct on the side of pitches, you know, they're not yelling at officials, they're not joysticking players around pitches, telling them what to do every five seconds, you know, and then actually the parents follow suit. If the parents have been informed as to why the coach is doing that and the reasons behind it, mm. I think parents have got more of a chance of following that. Now, if you turn up into a new in environment as a parent and we see this environment of massive amounts of shouting and it's all about winning and, and coaches are behaving like that, well, we've just given carte blanche for parents to follow suit because yeah. we all like to conform and we all like to join in with what the next person's doing. So, you know, the environment's key. And actually, clubs and coaches have got a huge amount to do on that before we really can point the finger directly to to parents. Yeah, yeah, because you just you, you sort of turn up and think, oh, well, that's, 
that's what everyone does so i'll join yeah. in yeah with that yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense yeah so it's a sort of slight culture change uh, amongst us all really um you talked a little bit there about um this word talent comes up a lot and looking at a, a child or someone who's experiencing some success in an earlier stage you've mentioned and i've read before it's not actually an indicator of success further on into a, a senior career let's talk about that a little bit because i think often people think oh m my child is the one in a million that's going to make it and have this wonderful career the reality across a number of sports is is we know that you know the best nine-year-old is is unlikely to be the best 18 year old which is a which is a big shame isn't it you know or the best 11 year old is not going to be the best 16 year old and we know that some of the best 16 year olds and certainly in the world of football some of the best 20 21 year olds can't even make the transition into the professional game mm. which shows how difficult it is you know and we're rewinding sort of 12 13 years from that and you know because actually at the age of 11 some people who we maybe deem as talented or the best at that stage quite simply may have just done far more than the person next to them. Yes. You know, they, they may be more physically developed than the person next to them. You know, nobody's gone through puberty at that stage. They may be more emotionally developed at that stage, so able to take on board, you know, coaching and environments and deal with things, you know, far better. But that doesn't mean that the other people who at that stage aren't ahead aren't then going to sort of thrive later on. And, and when we talk about that time on task mm. element, well, you know, if a child has done a thousand hours of one thing, you, you hope they would be better than the person who's done a hundred. Right. You know, that that's the reality. But by doing the thousand hours doesn't mean that 10 years from now, you're still going to be in that position because things like those hours get evened out, things change, people change. And, and I think that's why it's really important that we don't throw our eggs into one basket on one particular uh, particular sport as well. Because if we know that that's the case, then actually we also know that a large number now of elite athletes, if, if that is parents' dreams or aspirations or child's dreams and aspirations, is that those that sampled a lot of sports at a young end, younger age end up overtaking during their sort of teenage years some of their early specialising you know, peers, and and also, as you said there, if you if you if you're only focused on the one thing and the one in the, you know, one in a million chance, and you believe your child's going to be different, you know, you've got to ask yourself the question of, and what happens if they don't? Yeah. You know, I I you know, my son's got his his football contract now at the age of ten, and he he loves his football and 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 still enjoys it, but I know that there is more chance of me being hit by a meteor than him playing Premier League football. Now, I say that very openly in my parents' workshops and say that I'm the adult in the experience. It's okay for him to dream. It's okay for him to watch it. It's okay for him to love it. It's okay for him to, to go for it. But if I know that those are the odds, I have got to make sure that the environment around him is is a really healthy one. And, and I've got to make sure that he is a multifaceted individual who not only can play football but can play lots of sports but also can be a good person can also communicate well and does bits of chat you know bits of things for charity and and what i've got i've got to make sure that that if it, if he then doesn't do football he's got plenty of things going for him alongside that as well that's great so the life skills that this whole experience are, are bringing in um so it's not all counting as your eggs in one basket that's that's a really positive way to look at it and make sure that we're giving these children everything that they can have from the experience i think that's a, 
a good way to go. I'm definitely I'm taking notes <laughs> as we go yeah. to to find out what else I can do. What about um, coping with disappointment when when you've got uh, an experience that maybe doesn't go the right way or there's deselection from a team or that they're, they're having a bit of a downtime what can we do to to keep the inspiration going and to pull the, pull our, our young people out of a maybe a bit of a sadder time i mean i think i think look i think the reality is that in life we're going to have to cope with you know some forms of disappointment uh, i think i feel a little bit sorry for we get banded a bit these days as as parents which aren't helpful you know all these sort of helicopter and and snowplow parents and things which really don't help anybody because again we're just labeling parents but we've got to understand as well that at some point there's going to be some bumps in the road for for our children and it's actually how our children respond to those bumps in the road that actually uh, i guess are the success criteria so i think we've got to you know, when things are going wrong, we've got to recognise that sport is that long-term journey and that there is going to be some uh, negative parts along the way. Um, it's important that we allow the process to, to play itself out. We've got to recognise that our children are, are going to be disappointed and, and, of course, their self-esteem, you know, is, is going to have been hit and they are going to take it personally. And I think that becomes even harder when, their friends are potentially involved and some friends go one way and they have to go another um, during that point. And, that, and look, and that's tough. There is no, there is no magic solution to, to that scenario. But I think as parents, I think it's important we don't overreact. I think when we find out bad news for our, our children or we see that our children are, are hurting, it, it, our emotions are going to run high because they are. We're, we're parents. And I think it's important that we give ourselves a chance to sort of breathe a little bit for a few days and just think things through you know and keep praising and encouraging our child mm. you know i think we need to let our children talk you know i think we need to let them you know express their feelings and uh, and their frustrations and if they are really upset i think we we let them do it i i think there's a danger sometimes particularly those who commit huge amounts of time that that parents can say things like oh well it's only a game there's always next time and actually you know, to a child at that stage, well, you, you're basically saying, oh, well, it's not that important, and it clearly is important to them. Um, and I, th you know, and I think sometimes silence is 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 not a bad thing, and let them talk, and and just let them know that that you're around for them. Um, I think another thing we do is we can be guilty of making excuses for them, mm. um, but you know, to make ourselves feel better and make them feel better. I mean, I think that's a a, a natural thing. Oh, but you've, I think you've not the problem had breakfast that day or yeah you, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we all do it you know and I, I live and breathe this every day and we still do it there's something in there that the, the same makes you hopefully trying to make everybody feel better but actually I think if we make too many excuses we then just run the risk of again our children following our lead mm. in the future that there's always a reason why something didn't happen mm. and actually we want them to take responsibility so you know trying to you know create a plan uh, you know with our child's coach as well about about the way forward i think coaches should be giving really good feedback about you know maybe why they weren't selected on this occasion and what they maybe need to do to be selected next time i think then us as parents we need to try and help with our children plan you know the next stage um you know based on that feedback and 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 all be and all be very positive but 
I think this is where this role modeling thing that you mentioned earlier, you know, can come in as a really helpful tool to parents is if we can pull people from the sporting world who have all had huge ups and downs, it hasn't been the end product that we see. And we can actually do a bit of research in that. It's actually good to have a few up your sleeve, particularly in sports that your children are involved in. Mm. If you can just say, well, this happened to them, this happened to them, and it's actually how they did the next stage that, that, that's led to their success. So I just think, again, it's just, it's just something that, that's there if parents want to use it. We've been working with um, the GBR athletes a lot, creating opportunities for them, engaging with the communities, and really showing that they're not just fencing on the piste, but that they are involved in the world as, as people and helping to inspire the next generation of fencers. We're, we're hoping that that's a valuable resource to coaches and parents to, to learn more about these athletes and their stories and the, the trials and the things that they've overcome. So it's not just about, oh, I'm going to go and get a, a medal on a podium somewhere. It's about who they are as they get there or don't get there yeah. and, and how they recover and how they react. Yeah, and 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 that would be invaluable to people, won't it? And, yeah. and I think people can then pull on those experiences and and help them when their child's going through it, you know, because there's people that have been there and and done it and have, have come out the other side. And I think sometimes when we don't support parents particularly well, I, I think sometimes parents feel very alone, you know, and start start, I guess, trying to join up their own their own dots you know without support and i think that in itself causes its problem then and you know this is where uh, i guess a bit of parental peer pressure when people are watching can can have its issues where we all feel worried we talk to the person next to us they're not in a position to really give the best advice and then they say something that throws us into another spin and then it's repeated to, to some to the next person and and before we know it we've you know we've created a a much bigger issue but i think the responsibility is there you know like you're clearly doing and on on providing support for for, for parents and information to parents well um Gordon, it's been fantastic to talk to you i'm feeling a lot more equipped as a as a parent for, of a young one who's perhaps hoping to look ahead into an, a life of enjoying sport not just for the next sort of five or ten years but hopefully for a, a lifetime love of of something that will keep him fit and healthy and give him life skills as a better person so thanks for that advice personally have you got any one uh, thing to leave us with what's your top tip um for working with parents in sport oh top tip goodness me now you've really put me on the spot <laughs> no pressure i think, <laughs> I, think look, I, I think you've got i think you've got to try and enjoy the journey and i, I know that sounds really thing you know it, it could soon be over and it will be over quite quickly obviously we don't know when but but really try and enjoy it I think if we're really stressed watching, I, I, you know, I, I think we we then probably know that we've we've become overly invested in it. You know, try and pick up all those bits and enjoy the moments. Your car journeys home. You you chats about it. You the bits that you share. Um, and if you do that, I'm sure that that your child will be enjoying it in the process as well. This episode of Be You, Be Different is brought to you by Pulse Roll. They produce vibrating foam rollers and products that help athletes strengthen, prepare and recover faster, which is really important if you're training hard and want to get the most out of your training. Take a look at their website, pulseroll.com, and you can use the discount code BF20 to save at their website. Thanks, Pulse Roll.